Nakul Ogale, a staff engineer at VMware, a global software company, wrote to us last week. I'm going to read extracts from his message. Millennials, he says, have worked with the old generation as well as Gen Z. I believe working with Gen Z is the toughest thing I do at work. They seem to be not motivated by money or quality of work. Their attitude towards work is very different to what ours is slash was. They look at their jobs as a means to the next job. This has dramatically reduced their qualitative output, even if their quantitative output is enough. End quote. The thing to know is that at cost to company, we've received a lot of messages like this in the past. I'm going to read some more of them to you. One person wrote to say, open quote, workplace hierarchy is it is absurd with Gen Zs, end quote. Another person wrote in to say, open quote, there is an increasing gap between the values of the older generation and a new generation of knowledge workers, end quote. Another to say that, open quote, there is a huge mismatch in expectations that millennials have in the workplace, end quote. From this vantage point, it sounds to us like generations are tussling it out on the workplace, each resentful and angry and not able to understand the other. We decided to dig deeper. We spoke to Nakul. And we found that the real story here is not about Gen Zs and Millennials, but that many managers are struggling to manage a generation shaped by a pandemic. Anyone working with the newest, freshest entrance to the workforce is tasked with getting work out of those who were young and impressionable through some of the most traumatic moments in our collective history. This is Costa Company, a podcast from the Ken about work and workplaces. In this episode, we talk to managers who are coping with these changes. We find out what would make their lives easier, what they're looking for in their colleagues. And if at the end of the episode, you can empathize with your manager and have learned with them to get what you need, then we will have succeeded. So uh, basically, uh, in the past, uh, you know, three, four years, I have been uh, in this position where I work with a lot of uh, younger folk, which is zero to five years experience. That's the experience band with which I'm working with. And um, I have seen that uh, there is a huge drop in the amount of creativity that they bring to especially tech. So in the past, uh, uh, maybe three years that I've seen, uh, especially in the lead position that I'm in right now, uh, we are solving some really tough problems. And I've solved a lot of these problems with the help of these these newbies or uh, younger generation. And uh, in the same work, I have managed to file uh, maybe three patents, but uh, we have not got any new ideas from this younger folk. And that actually got me thinking that uh, is this really anecdotal or is it uh, wide company-wide? Nakul was uninspired by the innovation of his reportees and he wanted to explore if this was a problem across the organization or just in his team. And he found that engineers 
in entry level positions globally were only contributing to 10% of patents across the company yeah yeah so my first patent i had filed when i was when i had four five years experience so what i did was a quick search uh, on one of the internal portals where um, all the ideas from all uh, companies employees globally are basically stored whether they have been filed for patents or have come as submissions for hackathons all the innovative uh, innovation labs uh, pathways uh, i tried to sort them with the um, the designation of who has filed that idea uh, and from designation you can pretty much map what is the uh, experience gap and i saw that uh, i would say about 10% of the ideas are only filed by uh, this age group between 0 to uh, or basically gen z right or 0 uh, to 5 years experience uh, band only 10% of the ideas were filed by, by them and most of the idea was still coming from people with 10 plus experience or 12 plus experience 15 plus experience most of the ideas are coming still from them even the hackathons are uh, uh, are getting uh, more uh, response from this crowd the uh, 10 plus crowd than the uh, the gen z which is quite uh, counterintuitive to think about it right a hackathon is like and that wasn't the case when that wasn't the that wasn't so, the case five years uh, yeah absolutely so uh, like five, 10 years ago when i joined as a fresher we were just looking for an opportunity to you know be able to give a give a idea anywhere forget hackathons we were giving ideas left right and center and we were trying to get some attention from some uh, senior folk and uh, which allowed us to differentiate ourselves from the crowd right so we were joining in maybe a 20 team we were joining five freshers and then we wanted to differentiate ourselves from that nakul has no previous data to compare this to but he thinks and feels and remembers that it's much lower than it was when he was at the entry level 10 years ago and i think uh, i also thought about this why this probably this disparity was there so if you see there was a uh, if you see last 11 years or 10 years uh, 10 years back even in product companies uh, the india site was treated as a offshore location it was not treated like a r&d uh, site right so most of the r&d work was still done in the us and the side profile work was given to india right so if you see the um, let's say a team gets 10 work items to do out of that only one or two was really exciting work right only 20% of the work was probably exciting something that people really wanted to do and everybody was competing for that 20% of the work the 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 landscape has changed quite a bit so in product companies today uh, for example companies like you know google microsoft they treat their india locations just as much uh, and give them as much importance as they give their us locations so they are developing big products right from india right google pay was developed in india or uh, the entire amazon kindle team is in india right so things like these uh, this has actually changed the opportunity landscape and what has happened is uh, there is so much good work that you don't really need to differentiate yourself to get good work you are going to get good work so you are saying in some ways the work has become more interesting and your that younger colleagues of yours uh, have only seen lots of ex- interesting and exciting work 
and take that for granted take exactly um take take for granted that work can be enjoyed you believe that 5 years ago you couldn't take for granted exactly exactly so to get uh, that 20, top 20% of the work you had to really slog in the you know the in the gutters of software to get up into the cream of the uh, top 20 today the work profile has changed 60 70% of the work is good work right companies are innovating left right and center they are throwing money everywhere in all areas of tech so these people are taking for granted the opportunity which was not taken for granted by us maybe 10 years back things got easier more lucrative and more interesting in tech in india nakul thinks this made new entrants to the workforce less innovative more complacent what do you think about the younger entrants in your team the younger employees how are they different from your peers how are they different from my peers <laughs> i feel old when i say it but i think some of the younger crowd uh, uh for whatever reason uh, feel a little less hungry than we were uh, when we were starting out right uh, now obviously i i mean i've heard the same feedback from my seniors so to speak right like yeah, yeah yeah i have it's i i believe a lot of it is generational gap uh, rather than an actual problem This is Shreesh Brutha, director of product at PhonePay, who works with an average of twenty to forty people a week, but has a team of six employees working directly with him and reporting to him. Shreesh, as you'll hear, tries hard to see things from the other perspective. It's shaped by your economic circumstances when you were growing up. True, I also think it's perceptive, right? Like what you were ten years behind versus what you are now, uh, and how important is a particular uh, professional goal to you? How important is, let's say, the compensation aspect? How important is peer support? Like all those things change, right? Like a fair bit. I'm very sort of uh, confidently saying, yeah, yeah, they are not as hungry, but Lord know. I mean, I don't know if I was as hungry and showing that to my seniors at that point in time, right? But it does feel that like they're a little less hungry. I also think that it's a generation that has been often told that they're rock stars and they can be what they want. So what I think has happened is negative feedback has never gone to this generation as much as we have gotten, right? Uh, what I mean what by that mean? is, I remember in school, oftentimes, uh, or even in in earlier academic circles and like when you're studying and stuff, for whatever reason, I have this. Uh, mental model that we uh, i often got told this was not right this is not good this this didn't happen correctly right a lot of corrective feedback if i can call it that right now it can have come from personal situations it can have come from professional situations or you know peer group or whatever it is right i for whatever reason it feels like uh, that feedback has not gone to these guys early right now what i am unable to like uh, i guess uh, decompose is uh, was it also that i also hadn't got it and i learned in the last decade or so uh, or is it that you know these guys at that stage of their career where if you give them that feedback they can imbibe it and go on right it's hard because like it's kind of difficult as a human being to be unbiased i don't know of a single person in my life whose mental health was not seriously impacted at least once over those three brutal years i know more and more people chose therapy than ever before I know that more people got divorced than ever before. I know that as a culture we were all forced to reckon with what really mattered in our lives and we were all forced by our withering nerves 
and minds to rethink our relationship with everything our families our health but especially work for the youngest in every workplace today there is a new vocabulary of self care and affirmations and toxic and abuse and emotional check ins as a response to this it has changed their relationship with the self at the very outset of their lives even with the bustling energy of the early 20s the meaning and value and place of work has changed and there are still other ways in which the pandemic has changed the relationship of work with so many so uh, i think that because of remote working and this concept they are more like a subscriber to the company like they are in that model like they believe that they just need to do bit of work they get paid and then they need to go for meetups when they are called into office or parties and their involvement with the company culture because for them the company is a laptop right uh, online presence and whatever so they have not been able to um, catch the vibe of the physical workplace moonlighting part time work gig work portfolio careers younger and younger people becoming consultants all in some part speak to the fact that the relationships we have with the businesses we work for is becoming thinner and the people having to deal with this change most intimately the first line of defense against this malaise are our managers last week as i was doom scrolling through instagram i read a piece of news that made me mildly panic i'm sure many of you read it too it said that customers would have to pay a certain fee if they made upi transactions above 2000 rupees it was all over social media for a bit the news was based on a recent circular from upi's parent national payments corporation of india or ncpi but as it turns out the circular was misinterpreted by many in the media the panic spread so fast that npci was forced to issue a statement clarifying the matter irrespective someone is actually going to be charged so who is that going to be and how could this change things for digital wallets like paytm that have been through quite a rough journey in india to find out listen to the latest episode of my podcast daybreak where i tell you one business story that is significant and worth understanding you will find it on apple spotify and all podcast platforms thank you for listening and now back to ctc Shreesh from PhonePay tells us a little bit about his early years of being managed and how that has shaped who he tries to be as a manager today. I've had about two three instances where I've not been terribly happy with how I have been managed, right? Uh, historically I've been an individual contributor who liked uh, autonomy, right? Who liked left being alone, who liked the fact that I was uh, accountable for something and you know I was sort of uh, then made to go and drive that agenda in whatever shape and form right so that was my personal uh, personality so i always liked managers who would not micromanage i would always like managers who would guide me about the subtle aspects of things how to get buy in from people how to actually land agenda right not the actual doing of things uh, now because of that uh, i've also had people who uh, question me at every turn uh, often times not trying to understand why i did what i did or how i did what i did and i try and shape that experience of what i did not enjoy right in ensuring that i try to avoid micromanaging so you any of tr- 
so you you're learning to trust i'm just saying that you felt distrusted yeah um, i suppose that's the right abstraction yes i it oftentimes felt like uh, i was not fully trusted or my decisions were not fully trusted what i do now is that i trust implicitly whenever i see a, a challenge i give the feedback and tell them hey guess what you need to get better until you get better you will see me giving feedback being managed has also shaped how he gives feedback as a manager no human being likes being told that they didn't make the right decision uh but more often than not i think if you are relatively kind in delivering right like i'm talking about the exact way in which you landed i think more often than not they're fairly receptive right i think usually what happens is first the reaction of most people including myself when you receive negative feedback is to get defensive about it right however the way the feedback comes to you does have a lot of effect in how you respond as an individual right uh, even for myself or some of my team members if you land the fact that i think this is wrong because of this and i think it you were actually incorrect in this and if you're kind enough in landing that feedback it has it has genuinely like better implications in how they actually go about doing their things right but kindness is very uh, tiring it's exhausting it's a uh, it, it's adding another layer of work it is i mean like uh, i didn't say that it was meant to be easy up next we have chetasi kani chetasi works as a communications lead at a not for profit in london like nakul and shrish chetasi is a manager who is also managed first she tells me about the thing she struggled with because of her manager in the past because when you finish something and then you go for like feedback and you're like oh now we are done with this etc and then suddenly like yeah but it would have been nice if he did like xyz as well and now just and i would be like you should have just told me we wanted to do xyz also and we would have just done xyz what's the whole point of saying it now if the manager lacks the vision then it's difficult for someone working for them to kind of realize that vision maybe you'll find this familiar you think there is clarity and between the manager and yourself but then when you are finished with it and when you are debriefing about it the success changes and what success looks like suddenly changes and i'm not saying that there is never a scope for improvement and learning it's not to say that but it's to say that what all the hard work that you did it's not acknowledging that and saying yes this was successful but next time let's make this even more successful by the learnings etc you're calling this attempt a failure already instead of acknowledging that this is successful and we can be more successful kind of a thing this is where something interesting begins to happen between chetasi the manager and chetasi the managed i think personally i cannot cut off from my work after like 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock whenever the time is up i take my work home quote and quote in that sense like i think about it i'm very attached to my like 9 to 5 and in reality you're spending most of your life doing literally that like the biggest chunk of your life is dedicated or biggest chunk of your day is dedicated to working that job kind of a thing unfortunately uh so because i personally take it very deeply and i take it as a personal criticism of like my input into the work it i take it quite personally so for me then it becomes very difficult from like mental health wise like i feel you start feeling like a failure i do i do because i take it quite personally which i sh- which 
for me is a personal learning journey that i'm trying to be on simultaneously where i'm like cut it off it's like a part of your life this is not your entire life kind of a thing but it's very difficult to change the conditioning of like 30 plus years like overnight kind of a thing and it's a very difficult journey and i've spoken to some of my friends about this and they feel quite similar there it's very difficult for people to like cut off from like their 9 to 5 after they are done because you've dedicated such a huge part of your day just doing that kind of a thing because chetasi's manager had in the past struggled to acknowledge chetasi's successes chetasi had no choice but to learn to separate her own identity from work failure at impressing her boss could not be allowed to make chetasi feel like failure as a person which is a thing that happens to all of us from time to time she began to think about this in the context of how she treats her employees i think it's a lot about not wanting to pass down the trauma okay like we are this generation by we i mean people who grown up in 90s and are millennials i think we've grown up in a certain way in a certain india that from for a large number of us and especially for me was very middle class it was not like something extra ordinary and we've seen our parents work like in a job for like 30 years plus like like all of their careers kind of thing and being dedicated to that so we we've seen growing up that work ethic and like that's what we want to embody in our jobs but at the same time because we've now grown with so much technology around us and like exposure etc we know that what's probably happening to us is not the right thing and there's a better way of doing things so now that the opportunity has been given to me can i make the difference can i break that chain can i break that chain of trauma of not passing it down to the next generation and i have this conversation with chetasi identifies in herself her parents work ethic from the 90s and she saw that she was suffering for it she saw that she was over identifying with work and that was harming her this is why chetasi as a manager does not expect her team to have her level of over identification or what some would call hunger in her work she thinks that her level of dedication is unhealthy she does not want her team members to have it This idea comes from another idea that has gotten very popular in the days after the pandemic. The idea of intergenerational trauma that we pass our biases down and impose on our children the same hurt that was imposed on us that we as adults continue to impose on ourselves. The best movie at this year's Oscars was about this. Chetasi is borrowing from that idea and saying that the biases and suffering that she endured from her manager, she will do the extra work to ensure that she doesn't pass it down to her team. the son becomes the father the bahu becomes the saas the managed becomes the manager there's another idea from psychology of personal relationships that chetasi brings into her management but kind of identifying that way of working to see what suits both of them the most right because it can be a pain point for both people for the manager as well and for the person managing as well it's like how there's this quiz about you know like what is your love language There's this very famous quiz that you can take, and I'm like, why is there one not about like what's your professional language, like what what kind of a person you are, and if you had an insight into that, if I had an insight into what 
my manager also is a like as a person then i can also service my manager much better chetasi practices sitting with her team and letting them know her working style and ask questions about theirs just like in some relationships some people express love through gifts some acts through acts of love some through words of affirmation chetasi lets all her employees know that her working style her working language is chaotic and she jumps from one thing to the next she encourages them to annoy her with reminders when they need work done urgently she takes time out to ensure that they understand what success would look like and she makes an effort to be emotionally attuned to their needs on any given week if the portfolio career is an invention of the pandemic this thinking healing emotionally attuned manager is also a pandemic invention What this pandemic has also done is taken an age-old problem of management and made it more complicated. For as long as there have been managers, they have been wondering how much mentorship to give, when to stop, and their team members have vied to get more and more help out of them. The manager's dilemma has been to figure out when a team member's hand needs to be held and when to let them sink and swim. The team member's dilemma has been to figure out how much help to expect and when to ask for that help. This tension has been exacerbated now that our relationship with work and selves are changing. This core problem of management is more complicated now. I asked Nakul what he would like his employees to do better to make his work easier. What could they do to get what they wanted out of him? The way to think about this hundred any puzzle or any problem or any work item is to break that puzzle down into smaller pieces, try to figure out what you can and then try to quantify what you cannot, right? and explain to me what all i have what all you have done research and thought process to try to solve this problem and yet you are not able to so show uh, having the um, the humility to show that i have put in effort and yet i am not able to solve this is the key that there will be problems that you cannot solve and that's fine but i have tried my best and this is what i have tried right this uh, conversation is not happening today the conversation is like i need help help me i'll do this work i have been assigned this work i'll do this much right it's become that way rather than okay how did you figure this out nakul tells me about one colleague of his who really made an effort to communicate how much work she'd already done before she asked for help yeah so uh, i think uh, that was one thing that she she had come with this mindset that i am here to learn uh, not taught not be taught right so that differentiation she was making she wanted to learn few things rather than me teaching her few things so that was one thing the other thing was that any time she came to me for help uh, she always did her homework right she was so thorough and she wrote down so many things that it was very easy to give her previous context and the moment you see that effort right and this is uh, mind you this is like um, peak covid and work from home time right and there's no way we are making a face to face connection at all and she gave the respect of my time she gave uh, respect to my time and my availability and that made me more cognizant of her growth right and i became involved uh, 
and i made sure that uh, as soon as she delivered that project i nominated her for a uh, an award or whatever in our company and i think the main reason where there was this ability that the respect for uh, uh, the person helping you the respect for their time uh, i think that i believe would be the biggest way to form good relationships and humility of course i think that's a given but uh, this 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 idea that somebody else's time needs to be respected and they are taking out important time from their day to help me do my work which is not going to impact their life in any way that that cognizance of that whole thing is the best way to form relationships at least in the online world right even while employees reconfigure their relationship with work nakul wishes they were more respectful of time when they asked for help even if it is his job to mentor and help his colleagues he wishes they didn't act entitled towards it another thing nakul really wishes his team members would do is create a brag document like one he's created for his manager one of the things that i have adopted in last uh, maybe one year is that um, every month at the end of every month uh, i basically make a list of uh, things that i've done okay not work items but at a very um, uh, at a very generic idea level that okay innovation i did like a brag document exactly i make that document and i believe that has helped my conversations with my manager quite a bit so i have uh, floated this idea multiple times in multiple conversations to multiple people all the time i really i'm a big fan of this doc now i wasn't but i'm i am now so i have i have told it to many people and most of my peers are doing it but uh, the younger generation I, i don't know maybe they feel it's too pompous whatever it might be or maybe they feel that it's over the yeah no see i don't think anyone on social media thinks uh, uh bragging is too pompous yeah that <laughs> that i do not yeah that's that. true so uh, yeah i think uh, but they they don't take it seriously so uh, yeah I, i don't know i would be very why do you think that is uh so i'll tell you my what my thought process was when i was at that experience uh i was not able to put myself in the manager's shoes where he has 20 reportees and he cannot possibly mentally track each one's work i was not able to put myself in those shoes and that's why i too started pretty late started doing this pretty late so i i think that's the main reason the other side yet and also it's possible that they think that um why is it so hard right and uh, like what's the big deal i i delivered so much in this work like everyone knows what i like why is it so hard if you think about this nakul is asking for empathy back from those who report to him he wants them to empathize with his needs which is to manage them more easily and one way for them to do that is if they made a brag document to share with him like he does with his manager and another way is to show respect for his time but nakul also knows that since they've never been managers themselves they're not very likely to be capable of empathy just like he may not have been 5 years ago empathy is a two way street and it's built of experience shreesh talks about how he's learned to empathize with his manager i'm more empathetic to uh, his need for uh, trust 
right? In the sense that, okay, I said it rather poorly. Uh, I'm more empathetic uh, to things he may or may not control, right? Uh, uh, when I was very junior, I thought managers control everything. But now that I'm a manager, I realize there's a lot of things managers do not control, right? Uh, even if you're the head of a business or like a head of a function, there are things that you still don't control, right? Uh, and when you're like, oftentimes it's even outside of the bounds of your company, right? Like uh, there could be an environmental factor that is cutting it, right? So it helps me definitely empathize and contextualize a lot of his decisions, right? Which probably means that I'm not as raw about, let's say, a decision being made in a certain right? At least I can place myself in this person's shoes and say, they took this decision because of a particular operating condition, right? Which means uh, earlier when I was younger, I would think things like my manager doesn't give me like great answers. They don't have any idea what the hell is happening and stuff, right? But now I'm a lot more empathetic to that cause. I think that they are holding back info because they need to hold back info. They are actually unable to move because of a certain set of things that they may or may not be able to talk about, right? Uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm a lot more accepting and a lot more... Uh, uh, I suppose humble about the fact that they really are not in as much control as uh, I used to think they would be, right? Uh, and I think the same holds true. I mean, I think uh, when you're younger, you have fairly idealistic notions that everything will flow through in like this structured way and, you know, everyone will do things the right way and stuff. I think uh, over a period of time, when you get into managerial roles, you realize there's a lot of trade-offs that are made. There's a lot of decisions that you have to make, even though they may be unpleasant, right? When you become a manager, when when your manager does that to you as a manager's manager, uh, uh, you at least are in a better place to empathize with those decisions. The next time I'm mad at my manager, I'm going to think about this. It appears that the only way to really navigate the changing workplace, our changing relationship with work and ourselves is to do it with learning and empathy. Constantly listen and think and imagine life from each other's perspective. And the heartening thing is that many are doing this work and in more creative ways and with more awareness than ever before. But before we close this episode, we must hear back from Nakul, who believes that these changes may not last. Can I, can I push back? Okay, so, so, you know, we are, this is the pandemic where there was a lot of conversation, new conversation about why we work, ikigai, right. um, work-life balance, health, yeah. Uh, and uh, a more radical movement uh, against, you know, for naps to resist capitalism. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and and this is, and this is conversation that's on the internet that did not exist yeah. uh, six or year, seven years ago. Now in this universe, if everyone shows a little less initiative, yeah. it's like when, uh, you know, when uh, uh, the, uh, like, Everyone is pulling the average yeah. down. Um, so that means even those who want to stand out can do a little less yeah. than five years. Yeah. Ago. yeah. Um, is that the worst thing? Tell me, Nakul. Is that the worst thing that could happen? See, uh, so these conversations and this mindset doesn't predict success in the workplace. Now, I agree that the discussion is about changing the workplace itself or the nature of workplace itself. I understand that. But um so if you see these are trends so i look at it as trends okay so uh, maybe a year back there were discussions among software engineers and software people or tech people that we'll have only four day weeks i don't want to work five days you know that was the conversation where we were 
and uh, if you look at the conversations today nobody is talking about that that's because the market has corrected and rightly so and uh, people are more cognizant that it's not uh, up for many things are not up for discussion yet right so they were up for discussion in certain scenarios but in the uh, realistic world or the reality that is kicking in right now there is no space for um say uh, okay we have not reached the place of work life balance there is no space for work life balance but we have reached a place where there is there are no more discussions about four day weeks nobody is talking about four day weeks nobody is talking about okay work from himachal that's fine nobody is talking about that i will close with the hackneyed of all closings but also the most appropriate only time will tell This episode of Cost to Company was written, hosted and produced by Sneha Vakharia with audio engineering by Rajiv CN. I'm Shrivar and I'll be back next week with another episode on the Indian workplace only on Cost to Company. Stay tuned.